Hey, thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Today on the show, we're talking about the satanic performance by Sam Smith during the Grammys and how it was sponsored by Asclepios. For more on that, stay tuned. We're getting into Cross Defense right now. Welcome back to another episode of Cross Defense. This is the show where we aim to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul. And we do it all with God's Word as we look at curious cultural topics from our biblically informed Christian perspective. That's right. It's a lot to do, and we do it all in an hour every week. It's a great time. I love being a part of it. Today, by request, we're considering the satanic performance of Unholy by Sam Smith featuring an artist known as Kim Petrus from the recent Grammys. But before we open our Bibles and dive into that, if you're new to the show, let me introduce myself. I'm Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California, the home of the Winged Lion Studio. That's right, where we produce a variety of videos such as canceled Christian comments the video version of the Ferndale Fortitude, and my monthly newsletter to the congregation, as well as recordings of my weekly sermons in a talking head uh, format, style, I don't know. And of course, this show, Cross Defense, is recorded right here in this studio for KFUORadio.org, where, as you know, Christ is for you anytime, anywhere, worldwide. It's awesome. Cross Defense is a weekly show, so if Perchance, you want to see what else we're tackling between those episodes, more than just once a week. You can find all this extra content on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Tyrell Bramwell, just my name. Or under, this is the easiest way to find it, under the resources menu at stmarksferndale.com. S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com. And speaking of stmarksferndale.com, that's where you can go to reach me most directly. Let's say you're tuned in to this show via your favorite podcast app, and you're not right there in the KFUO radio app, so you don't have easy access to the most convenient way of sending in a comic, and that comment, and that's the open mic button in the KFUO radio app, and you don't have access to that because you're listening to some other podcast app some on some other podcast app your favorite one maybe you're listening via apple uh podcast or maybe you're listening listening on the spotify account whatever you can send your comment directly to me at stmarksferndale.com slash contact that's right s-t-m-a-r-k-s ferndale.com slash contact that is the easiest way to drop me a line and i gotta tell you my friends we love hearing from you. We love your comments. They are how we can take up the curious topics on this show that you want to know more about. Not just what I want to know about, not just what St. Mark's wants to know about, but what you want to know about wherever you are and however, uh, whatever you're, you're tuning into and seeing in the world that helps us all stay engaged. It helps us all be apologetically minded as we aim to make the good defense for the hope that is within us on all of these cultural issues. And this is actually one that I got recently. This is from, let's see, Swift Wind Turning is uh, the commenter's name, or online name anyway. The, uh, it's about the satanic, satanic Grammy performance. It says, Pastor, can you please do something on the show on the recent Grammys 
and the clear Satanism being glorified by the LGBTQ community. You betcha, swift wind turning. So, so what do we know about this topic? What do we know about the Grammys and this satanic performance? Hopefully you know nothing about this. That would be an amazing situation to be in. But we want to make sure that everybody is up to speed as we talk about it. So let's, let's figure it out. This is the celebration of Satan. Sure enough, sponsored by Asclepios, going by the pharmaceutical name Pfizer. That's right. More on that in a bit. First, the bullet points. Pop artists Sam Smith and Kim Petras won uh, Best Pop Duo or something to that effect on the 2023 Grammy Awards for a song called Unholy. Sam says he is not a he. Sam says he is not a she. Sam says he's non-binary. He's a they, which is an overt rejection of God's ordering of mankind as binary, male and female, he made them, Genesis 1.27. And in the same rejection of God, Kim Petras is a man presenting himself as a woman. The reception of their award was broadcast on CBS on Sunday, February 5th. This same broadcast aired a performance of the song Unholy. So not only did they win the award for this song, but they had the opportunity before they knew they were going to be winning the award, they were scheduled to perform it on stage. So they had an opportunity to present this, to, to perform it in front of all the Hollywood elites there at the Grammys and all of CBS's viewers, potentially all of America and anyone who's turning into tuning into CBS. Unholy in its official lyric video format, I don't suggest that you do this, but if you were to happen to watch the Unholy Lyric video on Sam Smith's YouTube channel, which I did, which is corrupting my YouTube algorithm and uh, the things I now see with my eyeballs, uh, so you're welcome for that, uh, all, in a, all in service to my neighbor, trying to answer these questions and deal with these topics. In that Lyric video, the H in Holy, it, it animates into a cross. So we know that the intent of the artist is to juxtapose holy and unholy in the terms understood according to Christian scripture. So just to be clear, we're not talking in generalities. There is a cross on the word unholy. So the holy would be Christian holiness. Holiness as it is described in scripture, as we confess in the Apostles' Creed, and we talk about, talk about being sanctified, being made holy. The song was introduced by none other than Madonna, that material girl. But it's the performance that has sparked controversy and stirred up so much commotion. Sam Smith was dressed as Satan, full red, right? The entire stage was decked out in the blood red uh, color. And, and he's has all these dancers around him, these men who are feminized. They got long horror movie kind of hair, but their motions are even feminized. You can really only tell they're men when you see the shots of their beards and the stubble and facial, facial uh, expressions and stuff like that. And they're dancing in this creepy, ritualistic and erotic way around Sam Smith. And Sam Smith, I think, is wearing what, what do you call them, go-go boots? They're, they're basically, uh, you know, 
the kind of stuff Kiss would have worn, but they're they're meant to be like high heels, right? They're like high heels, but boot style. It, it's a weird thing, and he's and, you know all the red costume is leather, and uh, it's meant to be like bondage ish and stuff like that. So and you get that really with uh, the backdrop with Kim Petra. So fire burned on the stage behind Sam Smith, and that's where Petrus was, and and he's dancing in a cage. Dan- he is dancing like a woman looking like a woman in a cage, surrounded by a bunch of trans women, that is, men who appear like women, kind of. Uh, and and they're all made up to look like this, just like Petrus, doing feminine sexualized moves on stage, dance moves. And it was abundant throughout the entire thing. As well as, during the chorus, during the refrain, whatever you want to call it, the repeated use of the sign of the cross. It was part of their, their dance move. Taking something that was Christian, is Christian, something that you and I do in remembrance of our baptism, remembering that we have been set apart by the blood of Christ, remembering that we are holy in Christ while we are still sinners in this world. We make the sign of the cross upon us, in front of us, in remembrance of our forgiveness, in remembrance of being made holy. And so there was a perversion of this sign, and therefore uh, you and I were being mocked as Christians, to be sure. It was utilized in this uh, Luciferian liturgical dance. (laughs) Uh, They aimed to convey unholy. And they succeeded. Without a doubt, they succeeded. So as I said, it's this performance um, that sparked a controversy, and it celebrated Satan. And it was sponsored by Asclepios, going by the pharmaceutical name Pfizer. The 2023 Grammys were sponsored by the drug company. Immediately after the performance ended, there was a in-camera transition to that sponsorship, which a lot of uh, conservative political type commentators have made uh, comment and note on. But it is interesting. No, n- nobody has talked about this yet uh, from this Asclepios perspective, which because I, don't, I haven't really tuned into a lot of uh, clergy talking about this, and that's probably why. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. So why Asclepios? What am I talking about? What does that word mean, Asclepios? Who is Asclepios? That's the right question. Asclepios is the Greek god-man. His father was a god. His his mother was a woman. So he's a Greek god-man worshipped in Pergamum during the days of Antipas, who was martyred for his faithfulness to Christ. So, dear cross-defense listener, open your Bibles to Revelation 2, verse 12. That's what we're going to read right now. That's Revelation 2, 12. Open with me there if you can, if you're not driving or preoccupied with something else, listening to this in the background. And let's take a look at this. And to the angel, that is to the the messenger, the angelos, a.k.a. the pastor of the church in Pergamum, write, this is Jesus telling John to write this letter to Pergamum, to the pastor at Pergamum, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, 
and you did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness. That word witness, martyr, that's the word for martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Ooh, lots going on there, right? Lots going on. So we have God telling us this is where Satan dwells. Jesus says, I know where Satan dwells. I, uh, we have a reference to a martyr who remained faithful, who died for his faith to Christ. And Jesus is saying he knows that the church there, the pastor serving that church, he, that Jesus knows his situation. And this is where my mind went when I heard of the unholy performance and when Swift Wind Turning asked me to say something about this performance on the show. Let's get right to the point. Jesus knows that we dwell in a land that is being heavily influenced by Satan's unholiness. That's the main takeaway. Dear Christian, Jesus knows what's going on. He is present, aware. His spirit is among us. He, he's God, all-knowing, omniscient. Your Lord, our Lord, knows what unholy activity is happening among us, where we dwell. That should bring comfort to you. Why? Because we haven't been abandoned nor forsaken. Because we don't have to have, figure out how to combat this on our own. The war has been won by Jesus on the cross. So you see something like this on stage in the Grammys? Repent of your sin and turn back to Christ. Whatever your sin is. You see this blatant adoration of Satan and sexual immorality and the confusing, confusing of God's order, the queering of God's world. You see all of that in your face, turn to Christ. Turn to the one who bears the sharp two-edged sword and will use it to war against those who do not remain faithful to him. Turn to the Lord and know he knows what we're going through. Jesus knows you, dear saint. Hold fast to his name. And as you resist the temptation to go along with the evil culture that's all around us, he knows you're not denying his faith. The way. It could get as bad as martyrdom out there. And so I'm not, say, I'm not saying this without an understanding of the reality of the situation. It could very well become an Antipas situation. Martyrdom. Faithful witness. It did in Pergamum, and it has throughout human history. Christians have remained faithful and died because they held true to the word of Jesus in the face of the stuff that we saw on the Grammys. So the performance and the message going out with it is a shocking display, no doubt, of Satan's influence in America today. But do not fret. You, dear Christian, belong to Christ. And Christ knows who holds fast to him. And Christ is your advocate. You and Christ are at peace. He is your champion. He is your warrior. Not against you, but for you. 
We're going to leave it right there as we take our first break. We'll come back and we'll talk more about this performance and my reference to Asclepios in Pergamum, listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, so as we equip the mind, here's what your mind needs to know to connect Pfizer to Asclepios in context of the adoration of Satan on the Grammys on February 5th. In Revelation 2.13, Jesus says Pergamum is the place where Satan's throne is, the place where Satan dwells, right? In Concordia Publishing House's fantastic commentary on Revelation by Lewis Brighton, we learned that Pliny thought Pergamum was the most notable city in the province of Asia at the time. It had a library of some 200,000 volumes. That's amazing, guys. It's amazing. And legend suggests that parchment was invented there when papyrus became short in supply. So, so Pergamum was, was a place of influence, a city of influence, of information, of innovation, it sounds a lot like America today, doesn't it? A library of 200,000 volumes. One commentary, commentary says that this was second only to the Library of Alexandria. So this is a major hub of information, of knowledge, of, of worldly wisdom anyways, right? It's like, having the, it's like having the internet at our fingertips, fingertips today. Can you imagine having 200,000 volumes? at your disposal in 95 AD when Revelation was written. Can you imagine that? That is like having Google today. You can look up whatever you want. You don't have enough time in your life to read 200,000 books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is, this is how information, uh, how prevalent information was in Pergamum. And so we see it was you know, being put to good use, too. We have innovation. People are thoughtful. There's influence. It was famous for its cultic altars, Pergamum was, and its temples. The foremost in Pergamum was the great altar of Zeus. Of course, Zeus, right? Religion played a dominant role in the life of the city, for it was the center of four count them four important religious cults. You had Zeus, Athena, the city's patron goddess, Dionysus, and Asclepios, the god of healing. And there are all kinds of fascinating connections between all four of them and what we read in Revelation 2, but for today we're talking about Asclepios primarily. The shrine of Asclepios, known also as, Asclepios was, known also as the Savior, Hmm, that's uh, some troubling stuff. And the serpent god attracted many from all the corners of the Roman Empire, Brighton says. Pergamum was the seat of a famous school of medicine. 
of great concern to the Christians and always a risk to their safety and spiritual well-being was the fact that the imperial cult was first introduced into the province of Asia in Pergamum. In 29 BC, a temple was built to the divine Augustus, Caesar Augustus, and the goddess of Rome. Subsequently, the city became the center of emperor worship in the province of Asia. So you have Zeus represented. You have this uh, healing savior god, Asclepios, who's going, you're going to learn more about today. And, and not to mention Dionysus, Athena, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, uh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, Augustus. So emperor worship. So Zeus, Asclepius, and emperor worship. Yeah. Between the three of them, we can definitely say we, you could see the argument for the throne of Satan being here. This is where the Roman emperor was turned into a deity for the first time in the province of Asia. Crazy. RCH Linsky, he adds some intriguing information as well for our equipping of the mind. Especially abhorrent to the Christians in Pergamum was the local cult of Asclepius, whose symbol was the serpent, which was called the god of Pergamum, but to Christians was the symbol of the serpent of Eden. In addition to these pagan cults, there towered on the Acropolis a throne-like altar of Zeus Soter, that's Zeus Savior. So they're seeing in Pergamum Zeus in a Savior role as well. Two times now, we have demons masquerading as our Lord, the one true Savior. But this altar of Zeus Soter, which commemorated the defeat of the barbarian Gauls by Attalus about 240 BC, was so decorated with a famous frieze of the gods warring against the giants whose human bodies had serpentine tails. It was so imposing, the historians say, that it, this monument was, was more of a monument than it was an altar. It was a declaration of Zeus's existence, dedicated both to Zeus, but also to Athena. Hmm. So there is disagreement, the experts say, among commentators, right? There's a disagreement as to which feature of Pergamum, with all these deities rolling around, these false deities, which, which one is the throne that Jesus is, is referencing? There's disagreement about that. But one thought that I find extremely intriguing for today's conversation is that it refers to the cult of Asclepius. Because how repulsed by Asclepius the Christians of that time period were. Get this. Apparently under Diocletian, Christian stonecutters from Rome would carve all kinds of things. They would go so far as to carve pillars for Roman use, capitals, baths, victories. They, they, they'd carve cupids. They'd even carve the sun god in his chariot. Christians in Rome under Diocletian. But they refused to carve the image of Asclepius. 
What do you think happened to these Christians as a result of their refusal to use their vocational talents to carve an image of Asclepios? What do you think would happen? That's right. They were martyred. Martyred as Christians, outlaws, disruptors, insurgents, whatever you want to call them. But specifically, martyred as followers of Antipas, of Pergamum. The ones in Rome, the stonecutters in Rome, were encouraged and inspired by a man named Antipas, who lived in Pergamum, who would not go along, but would actually hold his ground and not worship Asclepios or serve him in any way, but was a Christian and died for it. Now we could go down a curious path here, guys, and we could ponder the mythological origins of Asclepios. We could ponder that he was the son of the first god in the Greek pantheon to have homosexual desires. We could consider that his mother was Coronis, whose name quite obviously now has etymological connections to a particular virus, which Pfizer produced an mRNA vaccine to address. We could go down that road and understand how the word for crown, which is corona, is very similar to, in etymological root to the word coronis, which means to be curved in and bent in on, right? Curves are abound there. Crowns are curved. Um, that sort of thing. We could go down that road, given that Satan dwelled in Pergamum, Pergamum, where there was an altar dedicated to Zeus and Athena, we could explore the considerations that Coronis was probably one of Athena's titles used to cover up the myth because the Athenians, named after Athena, insisted that their god never bore children. Well, we could talk about the worship of, of Planned Parenthood and abortion and never having children. We could go down those roads. We could spend all kinds of time learning about the Greek stories that tell us about the worship practices of Pergamum's Asclepios devotees, such as how this god of healing gets his name from Apollo, having cut him from his mother's womb as her body lay already dead on the funeral pyre. After she was caught cheating on him, this god Apollo, who himself is known for being a very sexually promiscuous God. And while that's all fascinating information that does actually bear weight and does deserve our study in relation to the climate our Christian brothers lived in when they were uh, dwelling in the same place as Satan's throne, Pergamum, and suffered persecution because of it, and since we find ourselves in a similar situation today, we could go down that road, but the best thing for us to do in light of this Pfizer-sponsored Grammy Award show on CBS that spread the glorification of Satan and his sexually immoral LGBTQ war against Jesus, the best thing to do is to remember what 1 Corinthians 10.20 says when Paul asks if he implies that an idol is anything at all, exists. No, I imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Demons. 
with this knowledge at the ready, were not surprised to declare what we witnessed on February 5th as undoubtedly satanic. It was intended to be. It was intended to be unholy. Listen to what Petrus said about the inspiration behind the performance. Tell me a little bit about what went behind it, what the inspiration was, and how did it come together? Okay, um, it was literally hot. There was so much fire. Um, well, um, I, th I think a lot of um, people honestly have kind of uh, labeled what I, what I stand for and what Sam stands for as uh, religiously uh, not cool. And uh, I personally grew up wondering about religion and wanting to be a part of it, but then slowly realizing it doesn't want me to be a part of it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a take on uh, not being able to choose religion and not being able to, you know, live the way that people might want you to live. Um, because, uh, you know, as a trans person, I'm kind of already not a want it in, uh, in religion. So we were doing a take on that and it was kind of hellkeeper Kim. <laughs> so what I'm wrestling with is how a song about a husband cheating on his wife becomes a take, as he said, on religion not wanting him and and sam smith it's acknowledged that fornication is unholy got it that's what god's word says but the unholiness of the character in the story is enveloped absorbed into the unholiness of the performers singing it and promoting satan as cool on a national if not global stage but there it is, right? The transgender life is religiously uncool, Petrus said. And since he felt unwelcome in Christianity with its clear teaching that Christ's followers don't embrace their fleshly desires, but actually crucified them in Christ, he decided to forget all that. I don't want to crucify my desires. I want to embrace them. This is who I am. I'm going to follow Madonna's lead. And I'm going to become, as if he could, a material girl living in this material world. I don't think I could be here without Madonna. See, when everything is a matter of matter... <laughs> When everything is materialistic, well, then you can change your body to look like whatever you want it to be. Because really, you have no value of who you, you truly are as God made you. You are truly a material girl living in a material world. If you have enough uh, surgeries, procedures, you take enough chemicals, enough hormones in your body, uh, start practicing enough of how to inflect your voice, how to walk in heels, how to do these things, how to dance in a cage like a woman might if she was you know, in the red light district or whatever. If you want to be a material girl in a material world, you can do it. If that's all you are is a material person, materialism. If you reject God's existence. Hmm. And this is where some well-meaning but confused people will feel bad 
for the even more confused man acting like a promiscuous woman on stage and, and off stage too, and take the bait of blaming the church, say, saying we need to be more hospitable to the LGBTQ, to the marginalized, to the, to the minorities, whatever the, the words they want to use to make us feel bad. No, no, that's not true. That's not true. We don't know the particulars of Petra's experience or Sam Smith's experience, which made either one of them feel unwelcome in religion. And by religion, remember, we're talking about Christianity, given the imagery being invoked in the performance. But what we do know is what Galatians 5 says. So turn your Bibles to Galatians 5. We're going to start at verse 13 as soon as we get back from this quick break. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Galatians 5, starting at verse 13, says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Jumping to verse 16, I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. <laughs> There's our Pfizer word right there. Pharmakeia, sorcery. Right there in line with sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and idolatry, and all the other works of the flesh that will follow. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? Sorcery right there, that, that word is pharmakeia. It's the word that gives us pharmacy. <laughs> These musicians are batting a thousand, ticking off the box, every one of these works of the flesh. And of course they are. And of course, Big Pharma sponsored a primetime drag queen show that glorifies Satan. Of course it did. That's the contest, right? That's the contest. Belief in God or belief in the demons vying for our allegiance to them? How do they convince us they're worthy of being worshipped? Well, exactly how scientism has convinced modern man that the God, the God, the one true God, isn't real. By presenting a medical solution whatever that medical solution may be, to physical problems. And not just illness, but we are now dealing with this in an age of identity. Don't like being a boy? Well, hey, look. Look at what Kim Petras did. Become 
a girl. That's why so many people hung on every word of the CDC and Dr. Fauci during the COVID pandemic, isn't it? They were anxious about their lives in complete disregard to the passage we talked about just last week in the last episode, Luke 12, 13 to 34, right? Which tells us not to be worried about the things of this life, truly, but to seek first the kingdom of God, because God knows what we need. I and many of my brothers have received flack or did receive flack from Christians during the height of the COVID plague for taking this pericope seriously and preaching it, pointing to Jesus as our sort of co source of comfort. Why? Because it convicts our consciences and we don't want to have it pointed out when we're behaving as the civil servant said to, like congregating together in the flesh responsibly around word and sacrament isn't essential when Jesus said it is the one thing needful to sit at his feet and to hear his word. We're very much living in our own version of per Pergamum today. That was made known during COVID. We saw the healing God at work, didn't we? Not the one true God. Oh, no, no, no. You can't go to Christ with your anxiety. This was a physical problem. None of this spiritual stuff mattered. It was a physical problem. This is what they were doing in Pergamum. They, would have, they were impregnating it, impregnating it with spiritual language from the Greek pantheon, of course. It wasn't the age of science. These Greek gods have just refastened themselves because what are they demons same guys still operating Asclepios is still active he may just go under a different name now such as Pfizer Satan is still very much trying to deceive us and trying to get us to not follow Jesus Pergamum pagans worshiped Asclepios because he was said to be a skilled surgeon and skilled in the use of drugs, sorcery, pharmakeia. That he was the very founder of medicine, according to Greek mythology. Not only did he heal the sick, but Athena, also present in Pergamum, had given him two vials of Medusa's blood. Blood. Which he could use to either give life or destroy. He could use the blood drawn from the veins on her left side to resurrect people from the dead. The blood that was drawn from her right side was for their destruction. Can you see why Christians might have a problem making an image of this dude for their neighbors to worship? He's a demonic knockoff of Christ. Offering healing and bodily resurrection through the reception of blood. And what does Paul tell us about how we can take the sacrament badly, poorly, to our detriment? So you can receive the blood well or you can receive the blood badly. This guy is a knockoff of Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings true healing, the great physician. 
and not through potions and, and magic or, or some Gorgon's blood, not through cultic rituals, not through temple prostitution, and both of those things were on display in the Grammys, weren't they? That satanic display of unholy, very sexualized. And I got to tell you, I had to watch a lot of different videos about that in preparation for today's show. I seen them perform that same song in various different places. It's always like that, sexualized. Some of the costumes change a little bit. Devil horns remain the same. The unholy theme, the sign of the cross being used inappropriately, all of that stuff remains the same. Jesus is the one true physician. And he does it freely. He gives us healing and resurrection freely. That's not how Asclepios operates or any false god. To get Asclepios to heal you, which he's a demon, he doesn't heal like that. But in the minds of the worshiper, the devotee, to get him to heal you, you, you say enough you know, magic formulas and, and ritual incantations. You, you go through enough procedures and, and you know these sorts of things in an effort to bend the law, the law of nature, to one's will. Is this not exactly what the LGBTQ are doing? Only now their procedures and rituals, their liturgies are dressed in, in the shroud of medicine and science, scientism, really. It's been sterilized and clinicalized and these sorts of things. It's no longer the, wearing the trappings of religion. It's wearing the trappings of, of uh, medicinal help as we understand it today, hospitals, clinics. Petrus and Smith weren't rejected by Christ. No, uh-uh. They rejected Christ for Asclepios, for Satan. Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Does it look like Petrus wants to crucify his passions and desires, Sam Smith. Does it look like either of these guys want to do that? No. And since they're talking about the past, if they did want to do that back when they were exploring the church, or at least when Petrus was, because Sam didn't speak about this, but Petrus did, when he was exploring the church, if he was willing to repent of his sin, crucify his flesh, and walk in the Spirit... He would have been welcomed into the church like everybody else. So I think this is the rub for most of us. This accusation that the church is hateful. It makes us feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? Well, Christian, let me, let me help you here. Let me equip your mind and let me comfort your soul at the same time. When you are operating with the love of Christ in your heart. And, and with that love, you denounce homosexuality, transgenderism, and all this non-binary bunkery, whatever label it's going by, when you denounce it, this Marxist wokeism that we're up against so much every day, rightly as evil, know this, you will be called a hater. 
and not just by the LGBTQ and all of their comrades. No, you will be called a hater by Jesus. When you are holding fast to scripture, not conforming to the world, but with a mind that's being transformed by the Holy Spirit, you condemn evil as evil openly and without equivocation. Well, then you're living as a revelation to Christian, where we hear Jesus say in verse 2-6, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus will call you rightly a hater with commendation, comparing you to him. Don't be afraid of being called what you are. You're not of this world. You're a Christian. You are a hater of evil. Yes, sir. I do hate the evil of the LGBTQ. Jesus does too. When a supporter of that evil identifies us as such, well, they're getting it, aren't they? It is something worthy of being hated. It wasn't Petrus that the church didn't want. It was his unrepentant sin. Listen to Petrus here. He's going to explain for himself what he hopes the satanic performance at the Grammys does. Take a listen. I'm just so uh, proud and uh, I just like hope that it inspires kids at home that might not fit in where they are and, um, you know, to follow their dreams and yeah. To welcome this acceptance of evil into the church would be blasphemous sin. If your Bible's still open to Revelation 2, we read in, in verses 12 and 13. We, oh, we already read in verses 12 and 13. Uh, so let's read in verse 14 what follows. Jesus knows his church dwells in the same city as the throne of Satan, the very throne of Satan, and he commended his people for holding fast despite the persecution that led to Antipas's martyrdom, his faithful witness. And then Jesus says, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. What was the doctrine of Balaam? that caused the Israelites to stumble into idolatrous and sexual, sexual immorality, idolatry and sexual immorality. What, what caused that? In a word, compromise. That's the way we would talk about it today. It was the sin that, that has led denominations in our culture today to include all manner of LGBTQ sin into their, into their assemblies, to where now we have drag queen children's sermons. It's the teaching that leads to Satan being worshipped on CBS. You know it as tolerance, diversity, equity, inclusion, coexistence, etc., etc., etc. It's this politically correct niceness. 
And because the demon named Nice has been so effective in confusing the Western world with his accusation that we're meanie heads, when we stand firm on God's word, 1 Corinthians 5 is the comfort we need for our souls today as we start to wrap up the show. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, Paul says, and of a kind that is not even tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Oh, this is what we ought to be doing in our churches today, isn't it? As we reflect on the sin that we accept into our congregations that we, that we don't deal with, but we just allow to exist among us. Let him who has done this be removed from among you, Paul says. Oh, so we are supposed to make judgment calls based on sinful behavior. And see, you thought the woke mob was actually right, that they actually knew their Bible when they misquoted Matthew 7 and made you feel guilty. Ah, stop listening to the world and start listening to Jesus. For those... For though absent in body, I am, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. Why do you think churches have gone soft today? Could it be that they really don't believe that there is true, objective truth? Regardless of who's present, that the truth remains? Is it because they're double-minded, putting on airs? Paul's going to remind us that Christ is truly present with us when we congregate in his name. When you are assembled in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Excommunication, right? I know it's a bad word, dirty word. We don't want to talk about it. Today, we, we want to yell, gospel, 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 don't forget the gospel. Any hint of the third use of the law, any hint that says this is the way Christians behave because of the gospel makes us afraid that we'll be seen as unloving. We got to get over that. We are an upside down and backwards people, and the church is being influenced accordingly. We got to stop that. Your boasting is not good, Paul says. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This is why Petrus and Smith couldn't bring their unrepentant sin into the church. Kudos to the Christians that made that clear to them. How very antipassian <laughs> of them. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, Paul says, and you really are, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the leaven, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Yes, let us do that as well, my friends. Right now, in America today, in the world today, wherever you are. No more insincerity and lies. Christ has the sharp two-edged sword, and he will bring it to bear against all the so-called Christians who want to embrace the unfaithfulness of Balaam's world-appropriating, compromising ways. No more compromise in the church. Not on matters of Scripture what God says. We are people of his truth, of the truth, of sincerity. I wrote to you in my letter, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. 
But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, a Christian, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. And so this satanic performance shouldn't shock us, Christians. It was done by outsiders. We're going to encounter this wickedness in the world. Our concern is to hold fast to Scripture and to purge the evil person from among the church. We've been set apart from the world, saints. You saw Satan being lauded by Hollywood during 2023, the 2023 Grammys, which, by the way, totally validates Walther's arguments against attending the theater, just so you know. Now, when people in your local community pressure you to embrace unrepentant sin in your church, you can say with confidence, no. That stuff is not welcome or permitted among us. We hate it. If that's how you want to live, there's a place for you in the world. Go over there. Satan and all his lies are openly celebrated over there. We know Satan dwells where we dwell. But among our people, no way. No, here we worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. We repent of our sins because we walk by the Spirit. If you want your flesh to have its way, Satan's right over there, my friend. You can't miss him. He's the one with all the trans dudes gyrating and looking all creepy by the flames. We don't break bread with them. And with that, I got to leave it there. We're out of time. Send me your comments at stmarksferndale.com slash contact. S-T-M-A-R-K-S ferndale.com slash contact. God's peace. Talk to you next week. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at kfuo.org.